Hello everyone, what's going on? Welcome to Davey A's I'll Give That 10 Minutes. This week, it's movie week. Not trying to sound too much like Strictly Gone Dancing, but this is the theme. It's movie week. Joining me today to chat about all things movies, stuff we like to watch as kids, growing up, stuff we've been watching under lockdown. He's back, everyone. It's Craig. Hello, everybody. How glad, you doing, glad that we can, uh, yeah, not bad, mate. Glad we can uh, get this going. It's been a while. Obviously, uh, a lot of things going on, so we've been obviously off the radar for a bit. But you know what? We're back and stronger than ever, kid. Yeah, the inevitable sequel, I suppose. We've had a short, a short yes. break, and now we're coming Podcast back. Podcast revenge. Just when you Pod- safe, <laughs> just when you thought it was safe to go onto the podcast. Yes, it's. I suppose comparable with Jaws: The Revenge or Jaws Three, both very shocking Ooh. movies. But you know, but maybe we let's not mention Jaws Four. Yeah, let's not, let's not, let's not go there. But yes, movie week, all things film related. I am a huge movie buff. I am quite biased in the stuff that I like. It tends to be action movies, comedy movies, sci-fi movies. They're kind of my go-to genres. What about yourself, Craig? Is there anything specific you go to when you're watching a film? Um, I'm, I'm a big action big sci-fi kind of guy i tend to stick to you know like me 80s classics like your commandos your predators i'm a huge alien franchise fan that's something i'm really into um so i tend to sort of stick to that that sort of genre really and obviously you know the marvel and the, the dc universes so i'm pretty broad scale in what i watch but at the moment I've, I've been really having a kick back to a lot of 80s action movies and the alien franchise really a great franchise to be a part of some of it for me a bit hit and miss certainly the earlier few movies huge fan of even the sort of the, well the prequels slash sequels they've done like uh, prometheus and uh, covenants and i think another one's covenants. pending they're, they're watchable i mean I've, personally i wouldn't go back to them but you know sometimes you want a bit of a backstory to a franchise you're watching so it's nice that they've gone and shown how it kind of all began sort of thing so I'm with you on Alien it's a good franchise it's a good one to go to a lot of these films that I'm going to be talking about I again would say they're quite biased in my personal taste but I'm sure some of them are films that you've watched yourself I'm going to kick off with a comedy franchise I'm a huge fan of I'm not sure if you are but let's go with it anyway The Police Academy Movies now oh my word am I a fan yes I am a fan I am a huge fan You how can you not love the Police Academy movies, unbelievable. What a franchise. The, you know, the comings and goings of Captain Harris and his uh, ensemble of mixed police officers. Mahoney, the ex-con, trying to go straight by becoming a policeman. You've got Jonesy, the ventriloquist. He's the, um, the impressionist and he's <laughs> the vocals. Tackleberry with his love for guns. Hightower, the huge, massive, like six foot seven guy who's just a brick to hit. And the comedy that includes him running a really basically shoddy police station and how do you get on with life and being law enforcement because it was all slapstick it was all jokes that you'd seen the likes of a cartoon Wiley Coyote Roadrunner that kind of thing I thought it really worked as a, as, a, as a franchise and for me having recently got it on Blu-ray and rediscovering it it hasn't transitioned that well to Blu-ray, but because the sound's improved and it's a good retro set of films, I love watching them. Favourite character in the franchise? What would you go What would you go for? I'd probably say Jonesy, to be honest with you, because you know, who didn't, as a kid, want to emulate all the different noises, the sounds, all the things you used to be able to do? I know, as a kid, I used to sit and practice trying to sort of do all the, the mad things you used to do and the, the computer noises and stuff with his mouth. I'm not going to attempt to do any today and embarrass myself publicly, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you, what I like to do in my downtime is I do like to uh, stand in front of a mirror and pretend I'm a car alarm. There's nothing finer. (laughs) Hey, whatever you do behind closed doors is your own business. (laughs) That's completely fine. I personally was a huge fan of Harris, Captain Harris. He struggled to maintain law and order in that precinct. And he obviously aspired to be the commandant, the head guy, and he could never quite get there. And the fact that he was always the butt of a joke or a practical joke or a wind-up, you could just see the frustration on his face even when I think it was the fifth one or the fourth and went to Miami Beach and he had Dork written on him in suntan lotion and he's walking around and they're all insulting him calling him Dork no idea why Harris was the best for me I just loved seeing what happened to him every single uh, movie what a guy he he was a comedy patsy wasn't he really he was like you know he was always the one who who was trying to sort of suck up and be the brown nose and like sort of try and promote himself up but just Mahoney especially used to just leave him in his wake just couldn't couldn't even keep up with him and he just ended up, as you say, just making a fool of himself or falling in something or washing his hair in something that he shouldn't wash it in. And, you know, <laughs> there's so many. Yeah, there was some mace or something. I can't remember exactly what it was, but yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was an absolute amazing character. And I do agree with that, Davey. The character he brought to it, the comedy sort of patsy that, you know, the, the value that he brought and obviously screaming at his little lieutenant that was always following him around. And, oh, um, you know, poor little guy. Oh, oh, what was his name? I, I can't Captain, remember his name. Captain. 
Proctor, that was it, Proctor. Yeah, Proctor! Yeah, they used to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was a fantastic addition to that movie. I think they casted that really well. I love the back and forth on one of them when Proctor comes into Harris's office and he's messing around with his Newton's Cradle office toy and drops them all, and he just shouts to him, don't you ever touch my balls again? And it's just silence in the room as everyone looks in. It just has me in stitches every time. Don't you ever touch my balls again? It's just... Ah! Brilliant. I know. Brilliant. Reminds me of that time when I uh, when I accidentally stumbled into the Blue Oyster, but yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a very respectable bar, I should point out. <laughs> Other bars are available. <laughs> Other bars are available, yeah. <laughs> Sticking with the police comedy theme, it links me quite nicely onto the Naked Gun franchise. Again, I'm a fan of this, but because of the Police Squad TV show it was based on, a Leslie Nielsen classic, were you a fan of these movies? There was three in total. Uh, yeah, they were they were farcical at best. They were good. You can't help a good innuendo, especially when somebody's passing a beaver down a ladder. Um, you can't <laughs> help but just say, you know, nice beaver. Um, no pun intended, stuff, obviously. Stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. It, it, obviously, and just to, just on a side note, I don't know if you, what sort of made me familiarise myself very similar with that was a film called Dragnet. If you ever oh, saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that was absolutely brilliant with the Virgin Connor Swale. Yes. Yeah, that was, that was sort of, I felt was on sort of the same sort of innuendo, farcical part of a, of a detective type thing. And then to me, sorry, I'm going off topic, but to me, that, that was very similar in regards to how they approached the comedy and that. And genius, absolute genius. It really was. I loved, there was most episodes, they'd be analysing a crime scene and for hypothetical reasons, they'd be like saying, let's say the guy walked in with a gun and held up someone and they'd say, okay, the guy walked in and held someone up with a gun. Yeah. Like, it doesn't mean let's say it. It's just... The literal <laughs> sense, yeah. Yeah, literally. I loved all the little random jokes of like letters backwards on the door or there was a part when he's saying, I was in this part of town called Little Italy. And in the background, it's literally a shot of Italy while he's driving this car because, <laughs> you know, it's Little Italy, but it's clearly they're looking at Italy it's obviously the like the Colosseum or like the, the uh, yeah. Chile store. There was one when, I think it's, the, it might have been the first movie, Leslie Nielsen and Priscilla Presley having a chat and he insults her. So she goes to slap me, catches her hands. She goes to slap me with the other hand, he catches that. And then out of nowhere, a random third hand slaps him in the face and he's just dumbfounded and shocked. Where's the yeah, extra it, hand from that slapped him? It's like, what? I think what? it's the way Leslie Nielsen delivers it as well. Because he's quite deadpan in the way he sort of puts things across, isn't he? And it's, it's, it's yeah. all his expression. You know what I mean? And, 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 you know, like, when he left the mic on, as if you remember, when he left the mic on and uh, went to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> the world's longest pee. Yeah. <laughs> Just walks oh, out like, quality. Going, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? What? <laughs> I always, you know what, it's funny, because, like, sometimes when, like, you know, you've got, like, headphones on, I always worry that I'm, I'm just accidentally, like, going to the toilet and I'm broadcasting me peeing somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, it still lays in my mind, I think, just, you can't help but think that. You've got to be careful. If you're, if you're going to the loo, just make sure you turn your mic off, because you never know who's going to be listening. Well, you never know, do you? It's a, it's a good warning, folks. If you're going to the loo, turn your mic off, because, you yeah. know. Gotta be careful, you gotta be careful. Note, yeah, note to self, don't podcast while you pee. Yes, I like that. That's a very good bit of advice. Take that, take heed, that's everyone. Public, that's a public information announcement. That's what that bad boy was. I like that. That should have been addressed with some kind of British guy from like the 1920s or something. <laughs> Hello, my name is John Lee Warner. <laughs> Do not podcast while you're peeing. <laughs> we'll use it as an advert one day. <laughs> yeah, definitely. You're listening to Davey Ace. I give that 10 minutes. Going to flip it on its head now. We're moving away from comedy, but we're sticking with uh, policeman theme. We can try not to laugh this off, but I'm going to move this to the amazing Die Hard franchise. One of my biggest action film franchises I always like to watch, and especially the first one. It's been watched by me, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 times. Love Die Hard. Love Bruce Willis's character, John McClane. Love the situations he gets into. It's a silly question to ask, but are you a fan of Die Hard? Oh, I am a Die Hard fan of it. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, um, yeah, no, to me, um, oh, McClane, you know what I mean? What a name. You hear McClane, and it, you instantly, you know, you're right back there, the Nakatomi Plaza, you know what I mean? Hans Gruber, played by the amazing Alan Rickman. Oh, what a what a legendary film that is! And I, really I think is. the 
the first film was absolutely momentous. I really, it was, it's up there with the top action films, definitely of, of our generation. I agree. For me, the first two were the standout ones for me. Three I love, four, eh, one or yeah. two. Are you I aiming love. for those people? <laughs> 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 That's a great Samuel Jackson impression. <laughs> if anyone from the Marvel Universe is listening, you've got your Nick Fury replacement right there. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've done some light modelling, some catalogue work, but nothing really serious. But yeah, I'm I'm open for uh, new ideas. Light modelling, so you've up been modelling lights? Yes, not 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 in, like like I, I find like light bulbs, UAVs. You know, I, I find I've just I'm just gifted to sell these things. You know, it's it's like it's what I was born to do, Dave. To be honest with you. Wow, wow, a man of few words. Clearly, <laughs> not <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll lighten up uh, the situation. Go on. Oh, God, there's another drum I've got to insert there. He's out. Pumpmaster's out. He's wincing right now because I can't do a decent uh, drum impression. For anyone yes, that, that is, that, yes, it's actually funny that you did that because I was actually wincing. If this had been a video chat, you would have seen me put yeah. hand to my head. It doesn't go like that. Because if you're a drummer, I don't know if, it, if, if anybody's out there listening and they're drummers as themselves, like myself, I find that incredibly irritating. Um, but that's just, you know, let's just move on because, I, I, you know, let's not turn this into a fight. Yeah, let, let, let's get, stay on topic. And, and if I can just go back to Die Hard for a moment. Yeah, one and two yeah, cool. are my, my two standout movies. I love one, you know, the whole being trapped in the tower and he's having to deal with terrorists on his own. Fantastic movie, like you've said. Again, Alan Rickman, a fantastic baddie in it, playing Hans Kruber. But two, I absolutely love because it's on a broader spectrum. He's, he's not trapped in a tower. It's an entire airport he's got to take care of and he's dealing with terrorists who are bringing drug dealers in on planes they're hijacking a plane they're also controlling all the air- aircraft in the area not allowing them to land including McLean's missus who's running seriously low on fuel so he's got to do something quick to, to save everybody I love the pressure he's under I love the reoccurring character of Al from the first movie who he only gets one scene in it and he rings up and he says he has a hunch this is John McLean he has a hunch about someone in the airport and all, his, all he says is ouch when you get those feelings, insurance companies start to go bankrupt. And that's it. <laughs> you know, there's going to be something blown up. There's going to be a death it's going up. It is going it's off going big off. time. It's literally going up. Anything with John McLean. Yeah, if they looked, they looked at like the panif- passenger manifest in, in the airport, do you know what I mean? She was like, well, what's your name, John McLean? Um, no, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Get out. Get out. It's going to go off. No, something's going to happen. Where's the terrorists? Where are they? Where's the bombs? Sugar. That's what they they would, maybe sugar is the lighter version, but yeah, they definitely say something beginning with SH. That's for sure. That's absolutely. Ah, that was sure. just more, that was you know to keep it PG for obviously our younger listeners, you know. Of course, we're a we're a broad spectrum. Various yeah. ages are listening to this podcast and trying to keep it as nice as possible. Yes. <laughs> Anything about Die Hard personally that you didn't like? It could be any of the movies. I don't know if it, maybe it's a different character you don't like, or if it's a certain seen in a movie or anything like that anything you didn't like I, I felt that as it sort of like moved on the sort of the aspect of them that John McClane is misses sort of like going through troubles and breaking up and divorce and stuff like that you know that, I thought that was quite a tough thing to sort of bring in obviously it is part of modern day life but it sort of like detracted away from the film really I didn't think it needed to be so much of a narrative in the film mm. I felt it is obviously action based you know fighting terrorists he's like a, he's like a trouble magnet everything that just attracts to him anywhere he goes that buildings being took over, planes being dropped, or bombs are being set off somewhere, you know. But to me, I felt the, the narrative of that was a, it was a bit longer than it needed to be. I felt they could have just touched on it, but not really made it a big part yeah. of it. That's just my opinion, though. That's, you know, I, I felt it it was important to the storyline, but I think it dominated a bit too much of the storyline. Fair comment. Moving forward to the end of the movie, there's a scene when Hans falls from the top of the skyscraper. Now, I only found out recently that as you see him fall and his face is in complete shock and it's because they didn't tell him when they were going to drop him. This is obviously green screen and a crash map for him to fall on. But they, they originally were going to say, one, two, three, let go. We'll film the fall. And apparently they they let him go after like one and a half or something. So that shocked face you see when he's falling is genuine shock because he wasn't expected to fall without being told. How to get a genuine reaction. You know what I mean? And, and there's a couple of films, some of my favourite films, which we'll probably come to later in this chat. Um, where genuine shock and awe was sort of featured in the film because they didn't expect things to happen. And to me, that's mm. the, that encapsulates... Because if you were being dropped off a building 
I don't think you'd be smiling. I think you'd be looking like his face looked. Called <laughs> yeah. an old-fashioned, but I'm thinking, this is going to hurt. Yeah, it's not like three to one, drop him. Whee! Yeah. No, it's not. It's not that kind of rise. You're going to be shocked because it's a terrifying <laughs> situation. And I just yeah, love the surprise elements of it. Go back, watch Die Hard, everyone. Die Hard's amazing. Even if you watch the first one, it's enough. It's a fantastic action movie. It's a fantastic 80s movie and one that I will always return to any time of the week. I, I love it. It's a great movie. Action clearly is a dominant part of the movies that I like, which is, I don't know, again, it's a, it's a biased opinion, but that's what I tend to watch. Action on screen, memorable characters, great set pieces, great action sequences. That's what I like to watch. I'm not into all these kind of musicals and romance dramas and lovey-dovey feel-good films. That, no, I don't want any of that. I just want action. I want, you know, I want, I want cyborgs. I want ninjas. I want explosions. I want robots. I want cops running around with guns, buildings being blown up. The classic stuff that you want to see in a film. Feast for the eyes. Senseless um, kill counts in films, things like that. I think that is the epitome of what, what makes an absolute classic action film. It's just over the top, like career kills. You know what I mean? You can't beat it. Well, funny you mentioned that. You just moved me on with a lovely link there, by the way, Craig. Onto <laughs> an actor who we are both huge fans of, the mighty Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now, oh, love it. I have just found out that today, the 4th of October, back in 85, was when Commando was released. Arguably, one of Arnie's greatest action movies. I believe you have a little factoid about this. Well, I do. Strap in, folks. Strap in for this, because this is some facts coming your way like you wouldn't believe. Okay. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger. In that film, it's got the highest total death, total kills in a film. In Commando, his total body count for that film was 81 kills. Nice. 81 in one film. That is... Amazing. Now, listen, just to, to touch on a few other ones, just to give you an example of how ruthless this Austrian guy is. Total Recall was 44 kills. Two Lies, 51 kills. Predator, 25 kills. And Eraser, 29 kills. So he's racked up a total 312 career kills. That man is not someone to be messed with. No, he's not. Come on. Kill him. But perhaps the impression is something to be messed with. Sorry, I apologise. No, no, I, I, I take it back because I can't do a good Arnie impression, so you've done a much better job than I. So I commend you on that. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Just a list of um, of Arnie movies. I'll see which ones you're a fan of. Obviously, Commando, we've mentioned it's an amazing film, one that kind of launched him on the main market. Single guy taking on loads of bad guys with loads of weapons and, like you say, a high kill count. Love Commando. I love Predator. You're a big fan of the Predator franchise? Massive, massive fan. Massive fan. I'm not much of a fan of the Predator movies. I actually have a Predator mask tattoo on the back of my leg. Oh, nice. Very nice. Uh, yes, yeah, huge fan. Huge fan of the franchise. The obvious mainstream ones, like the likes of the Terminator franchise, we're all huge fans of that. Um, Total Recall, as you've mentioned. Red Heat, one of his maybe lesser known Big action movies, action comedy where he plays the Soviet police officer who teams up with James Belushi in New York to take on a Ivan, drug baron. Ivan Danko. Ivan, Ivan Danko, Danko, yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Running Man, again, an Arnie classic with some great characters and great scenes in it. One of my favourites, that is The Running Man. Actually, I love watching that film. The puns in that are legendary. It, it literally... Just every after every kill of the of the you know the gladiators just he had to split. It is just an, the epitome of his one-liner puns. That that it is a cult classic in my eyes. It is absolutely brilliant and the utopian sort of like you know dystopian shall I say future of, of where you know killing people live on on game shows for money is is you know the entertainment that's out there. You know it, it is brilliant, especially with their little was it is it was it Mick Fleetwood. Did a little cameo in yes. that as well, I think, was he? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Part of the underground trying to one, expose yeah. the TV station for being corrupt. Mick Fleetwood, yeah. He wasn't going to tell anybody lies, even sweet no. little lies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that one. No, I'll I've give you, I've done that, a that was actually really good. That was really good, Dave. I'll give you that one. But I will Thank be you coming much. back at you with another one soon. Don't worry. <laughs> two, two comedy uh, movies where he's also featured. I love Twins. Now, that film 
it still makes me laugh now, even though it's really it's really dated. But I thought he was really funny in it, taking a stab at a, at a comedy movie, having been so iconic in all these various action roles. To jump in and try and do a comedy movie, I thought it worked really well. It obviously did feature a lot of action elements with him being this huge guy and he's throwing people around and his car chases and whatnot. But great comedy actor teaming up with Danny DeVito. I thought it worked really well. You fan of the Twins movie? Do you think that the fact that they're bringing oh, yeah. out well, another sequel well, is going to be worth it? I don't know, because Dan, you know, it is literally the physical... If you look at the physicality size of between the two of them, you've got little Danny DeVito and you've got massive Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know what I mean? It is just a perfect parent of such a small person with such a huge, monstrous man. It, it They gelled so well together. The, the the difference in the backgrounds, one coming from like a rich sort of sort of well-educated background, the other one sort of grew up on the streets and sort of made his own way in life. And it was absolutely brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I, I always find the first rule in the crisis situation is watch twins. <laughs> What's the second rule of a crisis situation? It's if you... Are prepared to call somebody's bluff, you must prepare for it to be called. Or bluff somebody, is... you must prepare to be called. Something like that. I must get it word for word. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, yeah. <laughs> what a film. Um, just to round off some of the Arnie f- films. Again, it was a b- bit of a flop when it was released. But I love it. And it is it is a cool classic. Last Action Hero. This was, for anyone that doesn't know, it was a movie where he plays an on-screen police officer that a boy is a fan of and goes to the movies to see him. And then through the use of a magic ticket, he gets transported inside the film and goes along the rides for this whole action movie, and which then spills out into the real world. Now, I thought the character he plays, Jack Slater, was a great kind of nod to all the kind of traditional kind of 80s, 90s cops. You know, the, he, he wears the cowboy boots. He has the leather jacket. He smokes a cigar. He's got a Cadillac. He's coming up with lots of witty one-liners, like when he kills a guy using an ice cream truck and he says, I really iced that guy. Great, great, great character. Great film. What's your take on it, if you've seen it? Oh, Last Action Hero, absolutely amazing film. It sort of, it crosses that sort of, that, that boundary of where, as you know in films, where some things, you know, could be farcical, as explosions and various things, but when it comes back into, obviously, the real world, there's another, here's another explosion for your movie, and shoots the car, it doesn't explode. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, you know what I mean? That, like, like, that shows the, re- you know, the sort of, he's laughing at himself, he's making fun of his own self in the films, and, how fast some of the action films are, you know what I mean? Where he gets shot, and no, no, it's only a flesh wound. What are you on about? And you know, and, and the chief's always riding his, his backside for because he's always blowing stuff up. And it is it, it is a brilliant film, and I think that crossover of you know the premiere where he goes to it and he meets himself, and it is I, to me it was really well written, it was well thought out and performed, and it I, it really I really enjoyed that film. It was it's it's sort of like a guilty pleasure really more than anything because it really is. You know, it's not the best film in the world, but who doesn't wish they could step into a movie as a kid? You know what I mean? And, and alongside that action hero, you know what I mean? Oh, amazing. I love the casting of Charles Dance as Mr. Benedict with the false eye. What an iconic assassin. I know. It, it's, it, we're swa- swapping his eyeballs out. And yeah, like, yeah. You know, it, it was absolutely amazing. And in this world, the bad guys can win. Yeah, because he comes out in three worlds and he wants to use yeah. villains from other movies to come out with him. And go on a killing spree in the real world. He, he shoots a guy, no one comes, and he's even shouting, Excuse me, I've just shot somebody, and nothing happens. So he's all like, Oh, well, you know, I can get away with all kinds in the real world. Love it. Great casting for me. It's an essential Arnie movie. Even if you're not an Arnie fan, I think if you just want to watch a good action movie that doesn't take itself too seriously, there's a lot of good sequences in it, give it a whirl, give it a go. Now, sticking with Arnie, you mentioned him earlier, we both mentioned him earlier, but the Predator franchise. Now, I know you're a huge fan of this franchise. For me, just the earlier few movies, I know you're a fan of the majority of them. So let's get your take on Predator, Predators, Predator 2, and so on. What's your take on the Predator franchise, Greg? Well, as, as I've obviously I stated earlier, I am a massive fan of them. I've followed the... I would Literally, as soon as I saw the first Predator film, I was hooked for life. It literally encapsulated me that, that from the very beginning of it where, you know, the mysterious with it, you're dropping in on the, on the helicopters... And then he meets with an old buddy that he hasn't seen for ages, you know, Dylan. I mean, and that, and that <laughs> homoerotic moment where they slap the hands and he's like, What's the matter? Did see how you got you pushing too many pencils? You know, <laughs> I, that is such an iconic scene in the film. But to open the film and, the, and the, the way it was set in the jungle and the atmosphere of how it was, and what would you do if, if you came across an enemy you couldn't see that was practically invisible? 
picking you off yeah. one by one. And these guys are the best of the best. Are they? You know, the, the elite squad that people call in when things need to get done. And these guys are getting heads popped off, guts ripped out, you know, hung upside down from trees and skinned alive. You know, it just shows you like the terror that can be sort of brought with such a, a closed set scene of a jungle and, and an alien that you can't see, you know, and the brutality of it was just epic in my in my eyes. I absolutely loved every second of that film, you know. Even this one line is kicking in there as well, where he where he launches that big knife into that guy's chest. Stick around, you <laughs> stick know. around, yeah. <laughs> you know, he still had to get one of his little puns in there. Do you know what I mean? Even though it was like a you know a more sort of sci-fi scary film, he had to get it in there. You know, and I think it, the cast that put in there, you know, with Dylan, Carl Weathers, you know, Jesse Ventura, the the cast in it were absolutely brilliant. And I there's so many different things about that film that I can just recall on. One of the main things as well, and this is something I suggest you guys um, out there listen to and look at, is that there's a bit where they all pause, Billy pauses in the forest and Arnie puts his hand up like in a clenched fist. And at that point, it, it gets very tense, very quiet. And he sneaks down to Billy and he says, Billy, what is it? And he says, there's something ahead in them trees. It's all a really tense scene. But what you don't know is if the true diehard fans like myself is that when they arrived on scene three days before filming that, everybody was there drinking water and various things. But then they were told not to drink the local water because it'll give you an upset stomach. So as they were filming that scene, unbeknownst to everybody who's watching this very tense, very emotional scene where like, is it, is it going to show itself? Is it going to come out? As soon as they, set, they said cut on that scene, everybody run off the loose. There was portaloos all around the set and they all liked it <laughs> off to these portaloos on the set because they were all literally like all this intense acting but then like oh my god I need to go and they're running off and to me I can't watch that scene without thinking of what they, what they were actually thinking when they were filming that scene of like I am close to dropping my shop in here I need to get this <laughs> over and done with. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> I've just got visions of Arnie rocking up at the jungle with two shopping bags in his hands. <laughs> oh my God, I pooped myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking back about this. If if they hadn't had that little intro to where you have the opening titles shot from space, you mm. could start watching the movie with the whole intro of going into the jungle and whatnot, not knowing it was a sci-fi alien movie. Because it plays out, if, if you ignore that initial intro where you see the the outside of Earth, and it comes as a presence, so you know it's going to be a, a sci-fi movie. But if they cut that out, and they just had literally the mercenaries going into the jungle to investigate and whatnot, and then it happens from there, I think it would have been a complete surprise. No, like I, I, I totally um, agree, because the, the obviously the first time that they, they sense something's wrong is when they come across Jim Hopper and his team, yeah. who, who were stripped, completely um, skinned, and hung upside down. And, yeah. and the question, you're going like, what? who would do this to, to a person? Do you know what I mean? This is like beyond what normal people would do. You know, something, and straight away alarm bells started ringing. You could see them going, hmm, strange. Or there was a firefight. who was shooting in all directions. I'm quite, yeah. I'm quoting the whole movie. <laughs> um, shooting in all directions. Again, they knew, they were like, this isn't like, we've never seen this. Something's not right here. And yeah, I think the mystery of it would have been, I think a bit more tense if they had left it out. Just started yeah. the film and like, what is this? What's happening? What, why is all this weird things happening? But uh, I don't know. It, I, I would love to have sort of go back in time, see the film without that star sequence and review it afterwards, you know what I mean? And see what, whether or not yeah. I felt it had that impact. But to me, it's it's always going to be in my top five films. That Absolutely. Predator 2, an underrated film, I think. It's it's obviously not as big as the first Predator movie. I love it. It's probably not going to be in my top five, but I, I would definitely class it in my top ten movies because I actually do like the second film. Based in LA, Danny Glover's the main actor in it as the cop chasing another Predator. But I loved how kind of grounded it was because it wasn't in a wide jungle where he could just use camouflage everywhere. There was a lot more dynamics to it. You know, you had rival gangs taking over the city. You had cops trying to keep the peace whilst this giant alien is going around again skinning people alive hanging them up did you think it was a good sequel or would you wanted something more direct to no, link no, to I the think, likes of the first I think movie it, I think to be honest with you I think it was absolutely perfectly linked if you look at the contrast of going from the jungle to the pack streets of LA but mm. also the references where he looks in the window to obviously there's like a, a shop like where they, they, they obviously like have the stuffed sort of heads of, of animals and stuff sort of a taxidermy place and then 
them like that jungle beat from the first film comes behind as a little reference yeah. to it. Because you got to understand that the way it was with every all the fighting, the gangs, and everything, it's an urban jungle. Of course, you've yeah. Got, you course. know what I mean. You've got to look at it as as yes, take the cheese away, take the thing. The, the problems are still the same. You've got the gangs, you've got the killings, you've got the drugs, you've got you know all these things which technically were in the first film. Do you know what I mean? It, and but also brought a bit more closer to home because obviously in the jungle it's away, but in your own yeah. city, imagine it coming to where you live, and that's that's you know that's where. I felt that the lead onto that was absolutely brilliant. Danny Glover was phenomenal in that. He he did a, a really good job in it. Obviously, he ended up beating it, beating it in the end. You know what I mean? It's absolutely brilliant. I and especially with bringing in some of the newer um, things into it, that you know, some of the newer gadgets like the disc and the and the, the wrist dart that he shoots uh, into the roof, which starts him off. Obviously, wonder what's going on, especially when when he goes up into the rafters while his friends goes up into the rafters and obviously he gets killed because of it. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant film. I, I think they did it justice, to be honest with you. And it didn't get the leverage it deserved. It didn't. But I loved it. I agree. Again, as, as I said, it was an underrated sequel. Just a whole new dynamic. Like I said, it's set in a major city. So it's kind of, it looks different on screen. It plays different. But good bunch of characters, good bunch of action. I don't obviously want to go through the whole Predator franchise and turn this into yeah. Predator, the podcast. Because <laughs> we could do that. We could do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can. I could talk for days. You know what I mean? But you know the the, the follow ons. You know the Predator. The you know Predators. The films. I think they, they followed that on well. They they took too long to to, in my opinion, I'll only briefly touch on this. Took took too long to to marry the aliens v Predator up because I was I've been following the graphic novels and the comics and everything that for for all all through my younger life. And they took mm. too long to get that out because they, they originally were going to do it. Then the cast script got benched and it never got made. They could have made them a long time ago. So for me, I think they missed the opportunity there. But I'm 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 a diehard fan. I get that it comes across well. It's nice that you've got a passion for such a good franchise. I've seen the majority of these movies that I'm mentioning are sci-fi based. We've got titles such as RoboCop, Terminator, Back to the Future, The Matrix, Star Wars, the Alien franchise. The Giver, Jurassic Park, which is kind of sci-fi. These are all iconic movies from back in the day that I still watch now. A lot of these I've kind of rediscovered during lockdown, having a lot of time to just kind of chill and not do much. Any standalone titles, kind of sci-fi based, would be your standalone title. I'm assuming it's going to be a president, but is anything else jumping out that you would, well, the, would well, say is your... Well, along sort of side, along that, um, really, and touched on it briefly with the uh, AVP, is the Alien franchise. Now, to, yes. again... Again, this is something I could go on for for a long time ago. Maybe uh, you know, in, in in a future podcast, maybe we might do a particular one about it. But just touch very quickly on this one. That to me, the I've I, you know during lockdown, I got back into the Aliens franchise. And I'm going right back from obviously the Prometheus, you know, the Covenant, you know, right the way through. Um, if anybody's read the books, you know, there should be like Hive and and various things, other different versions of that film coming out. But for me, I love the Alien films. I love them to death i've watched them to death the, the you know the tagline in space no one can hear you scream <laughs> how haunting is that do you know what i mean for me that really makes a big big difference in when you go to watch a movie the atmosphere atmosphere of the first alien film there's actually no one speaks for the first i think it's first 15 minutes of the film before actually yeah. any spoken word is on it's all visual you know, computers ticking away and, and beeps going on and the sound, of, you know, the d- dead silence of space. And for me, I think it set it up really well. John Hurt, obviously, was the first victim in that film. But just to very quickly touch on the, the bit which I was said earlier about other films where there's shocked, like, for instance, the bit with the chest burster, when it yes. burst off the chest for the first time, the um, obviously, James Cameron didn't tell them it was going to be as vicious and as bloody as it was. As it was. So when that burst out the chest, they all got sprayed with blood. And the genuine shock and awe by, by them all there was like, oh, my God. Like, it literally really happened in front of them. And that genuine shock in the face of how gruesome it was. They'd never seen it. They, they hadn't been previewed to it. It was just that bang. Look at this thing coming out of our friend's chest sort of thing. And that, again, is you can't fake that. That is real. Like the kind of the Hans Gruber look on his face. And yeah, yeah. It's that. It's that's what directors and and you know the, these films really encapsulate. If you get it right, it is unbelievable. Suspenseful movies, as you say, if you get them right, they really do grab you. There's a lot of films from recent years that are like, for for example, A Quiet Place, where there's not much vocal at all, but it's all suspense filled. 
jump scares, situations where you really want to scream, but you know you can't. I think it does pull people in because suspense is really popular, especially going into like horror franchises and stuff, a lot of people want to see something that's going to scare them or something that's hinted at a scare, but it's not quite visual. So you know something's going to happen, but you can't quite see it. So it makes you kind of get a bit, I don't know, you, you start to have like palpitations, you start breathing a bit quicker because you're expecting something, but you might not see it straight away. And there's that nervousness of what's going to happen. The first one really, really played well on that. A lot of times you don't see anything going on, but you know there's something in the background happening and when's it going to come out and it's when's it going to get you type thing. I think to me, to, to be honest, with you, to me, I, I, I can't rate that film high enough. The way it was cast, obviously, that you know, the the two of them in that, they, they're actually, you know, together in real life. So there was that bond of of being in a relationship together, and they had to obviously do everything with. They had to sign, and you know, it's literally how how can you keep an audience with their bums in the seat for an hour and forty five minutes and mm. barely say a word? It takes truly gifted actors and actresses to do that. It is an amazing feat. And I don't know if, if any of you have ever, <laughs> who've got kids or have been around your partners who've got kids, but the scene where she was where she was going through the contractions, I swear to God, it, I've, I've never seen anything more realistic than you could see it literally come over as a wave of contraction. And she knows she can't scream. Her family are at risk. She can't scream. And giving birth in complete silence. I'm not being funny. That is... I, I, I'd probably be dead in the first five minutes because if it was a, if it was a bloke who was having a baby, we'd be scheming <laughs> our caps off. You know what I mean? And especially with the nail, oh my words, we stood on the nail. We'd be we'd be dead. We'd be well gone, mate. We'd be done. Yeah, it's not like when Marv stood on the nail in Home Alone. He screamed. He screamed that house down. That is an epic scream. Now it's like he took, when he touched the, uh, the when he touched the taps or had the tarantula on his face. Yes, that scream oh, is just. Oh my god, that scream is iconic. It's it's so high pitched. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's, like, it's how I sound when the shower's too cold. It's that high pitched girly scream, a bit like Flanders on The Simpsons. It's how I sound when you know the the, the McFlurry and I um milkshake machines broken Mackey's, that's exactly how I sound. Oh yeah, that's that's worthy of a scream. <laughs> McDonald's, sort your machines out, yeah. Just tell them. That's, uh, that's all I've got to say. Fix your machines. FYI. There's a lot. There's a lot of films that I would like to go into a lot of depth with. It'll go, it's going to have to be for a, a future episode. Like mainstream franchises such as Ghostbusters, Tron, Star Wars, The Matrix, as I've mentioned, Back to the Future is going to take an entire episode. I would think. I'm also a fan of the Bond movies. Now, for me, it's Pierce Brosnan onwards. I do acknowledge and appreciate. Roger Moore, Sean Connery, George Lazenby, actually Timothy Dalton onwards, I would say, because I'm a big fan of the Timothy Dalton ones. Much of a Bond fan yourself, Craig? Um, huge Bond fan. I, I've been watching Bond films since I was old enough to sit upright. I absolutely love them. They are iconic, they're timeless to me. Sean Connery, in my eyes, Sean Connery was was my favourite Bond. The suaveness about him, but also you know where he could sort of turn on the, the charm, but also then turn the other way when he needed information. Also, somebody... You know, it was absolutely fantastic, and even now, Daniel Craig doing the you know reprising roles again. It just it just gets it stood the test of time. Ian Fleming is is those you know the casts that the the scripts that the ideas are just absolutely brilliant. And to me, I I will I'll watch Bond films forever, and there's nothing you know nothing more than I love is to sit down. On a good a Christmas, usually Moonraker's on a Christmas. That's always on a Christmas. <laughs> so for some reason, why they always put that on? Um, but yeah, there's there's so many good films. You know, George Lazenby only obviously in uh, Majesty Secret Service sort of thing. He was literally on his own. He did the one film, didn't really take off. But it, I th- I felt he did a really strong character in that, especially the end. Um, I won't spoil. Tell you what's at the end, just in case you haven't seen it. But it's definitely worth a watch. Very emotional. But you know what? It doesn't matter when they change the bonds, who they change it to. It still is fantastic. I agree. It's a great franchise. Starter for me, I did watch the likes of Sean and Roger. Like I can use them on first name basis. Sure. Sean and Roger. Oh, you're best oh. mates now, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, Roger. of course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Roger, the Sean. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah say so Tim- Timothy Dalton onwards was where I really became a fan of, of Bond. The idea of... You know, he's a, a super suave secret agent with all these crazy gadgets and he's got access to all this money and technology and he's got knowledge of all these languages and he has flamboyant cars. And I just, who doesn't want to be a super spy? Let's be honest. It, it's such a great character to be. 
and became just a fan and followed it right through. And I'm actually really looking forward to the, the newest Daniel Craig one, No Time to Die. It looks like a really good bowing out of Daniel as Bond to pass on the baton to the next person. Big, huge fan of it. Again, could go into it into depth over that one. But again, there could be future episodes dedicated to specific movies. We've got a lot to talk about on certain ones. Back to the Future, especially, because we're huge fans of that. And one of our all-time favourite comedies, Wayne's World. Now, he, they are definitely going to get their own episode, I would say. Oh, yeah. That, well, that, when that's on, mate, that'll be party time. It'll be excellent, honestly. It'll be <laughs> oh, amazing. Nice, nice pun there, nice pun. But I am going to move on just before we start to wind, to wind down <laughs> on, the, on the episode. During lockdown, I've kind of rediscovered Marvel and DC movies. I've always been a fan of them anyway. But during the lockdown time, I, I started to watch a lot of them back from the beginning. Just a few days ago, I watched the uh, Michael Keaton Batman movie and the entire Christian Bale Dark Knight trilogy back to back. Just to kind of get a kind of old school, new school take on the movies. A huge, massive fan. thought Christian Bale was a fantastic choice and did really, really well with the role again with Michael Keaton with Batman and Batman Returns. Did a fantastic job. I'm so glad to hear that he's coming back for this new Flash-based movie where there's alternative Batmans in it. So it's nice to see that he's coming back and reprising his role as the Mighty Bat. On the flip side of that, I've also been going through a few Marvel movies. Now I've just watched the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy i say trilogy i didn't watch three because i didn't care for it i thought it was a <laughs> it was a really bad movie i acknowledge it's there you know it's got venom in it it's got sandman and two baddies who wants to see on screen but the film itself was was cack in my opinion so rather than watching three i then moved to um andrew garfield's amazing spider-man one and two which i love i thought they were great now i know you are a D- um I, I would assume i think a marvel over a dc fan i don't know yeah, right I'd, to be honest with you yeah i'd probably say um Really, I think you know, I'm a huge fan of both sides of that coin. I do tend to lean more towards Marvel and DC in regards to sort of what I followed in regard in you know, as I was growing up. But it, it swings and roundabouts, really, because Spider Man, Batman, they are two you know, huge things that influenced me growing up. And you, you know, if anything, you know, you can always tell I want to be Spider Man because when I'm really drunk, I'm all, I'm all over the walls, to be honest with you. So, um, <laughs> you know. If anything, it's sort of it's made me who I am, really. But yeah, the the Batman franchise, I, I definitely during lockdown as well. John, we were all stuck in. I I sort of reprised that them sort of box sets again. Jumped into them. Bane was a fantastic character in it. You know what I mean? Because I, the the contrast of of Bruce Wayne sort of on his lazies, he was you know he was having to strap his knee up. He was like could barely walk. You know he had the body body was absolutely brutalized from the years of being that you know. Cape Crusader, you know, but then Bane turns up this monster of a man cast by, you know, an amazing actor again, um, Tom Hardy, and just put him in his place, you know what I mean? Just literally broke him and put him in his place, you know, and I, I felt the end of that was was fantastic where you got to see him sat in the cafe. Alfred gets his, you know, his, his final wish, so to speak, that he gets to see him there in a cafe. They don't talk, they don't say anything, they just give a little nod. Uh, that was to me was was a phenomenal moment in one of the, in in the Batman films. Yeah, definitely. I I wasn't expecting it at the time when I did see it. Oh, it was like you you've kind of been rewarded. It was a lot like the end of the of Batman Begins. That scene where Gordon's got the spotlight on the top of the bat symbol, and he arrives and he says, "I need you to look into a case," and he just gives you the the clear wallet which he flips over and it's got the playing cards and the Joker playing cards. Now. When I saw that in the cinema, the second he flipped that card, the cinema just went nuts. Yeah. Everyone was like, oh my God, oh my God, Joker's coming, Joker's coming. And it was literally the last, what, 30 seconds of the movie. And it was enough to to say, yeah, we're going to follow Christian Bale now. We're going to follow his journey, stick with this Batman because we're going to be rewarded with an amazing Joker. And we were Heath Ledger's unbelievable Joker. It was yeah. an iconic, again, an iconic character, which was made even more iconic by his portrayal of it. But just that scene where he flips the cards, like, oh my God, oh my God, I can't wait. And fantastic trilogy, which I'll treasure in my collection forever, and I'll always watch it. Things like Marvel, obviously, is a full ten years of movie build-up with the whole. What's the way I'm thinking of? I don't want to say franchise, but the the builds up to the likes of uh, Infinity War and Endgame. The I don't know, a legacy, I guess. 
starting with Iron Man so, and moving on. Well, it's more like the amalgamation. Oh, big word. Amalgamation Ooh, amalg- of, of, yeah. of... Yeah, yeah, you can keep that one. Of all the different sort of the branches leading into into the core of the of the, the Marvel Universe, you know. You know, they all had their own sort of... You know, they had their own films, you know, the Thors, the Iron Mans, the, oh, the Ant- Ant-Man. There were so many different branches and you could see them coming coming together over over years and time to make this the make the avengers and to me i think it was done fantastically and i know i don't know if you like if you you're like myself but i watch them in, in chronological order where i'll literally watch them within the timeline of how they happened not necessarily in the release dates so it, it for me it sort of fits in perfectly to running up to end game because i did that before i went to see it in the cinema so yeah. for me i i i I think again the um, I'm going to use that big word again the amalgamation of of all these different parts into one again the DC universe have done the same with what they've done do you know what I mean they they you know coming together for the Justice League and there's yes. so much more to come for the Justice League they haven't even tapped the surface of the Justice League yet they have, there's so many more that they could bring into it and I look forward to hopefully they're going to definitely bring something from that or produce something from that because there's some major big players there that they haven't brought out yet. That would be, I think they could really start rivaling Marvel for for a serious, you know, a serious set of films. Fingers crossed. I, as people know, I'm I'm a fan of DC and especially Batman, and I love all the different versions we've been seeing and we're going to be seeing. I'm really looking forward to next year's HBO version of Justice League, Zack Snyder's original kind of intended release with new footage added and whatnot. I'm excited for it. Everyone's kind of got mixed opinions, both good and bad, but I, I'm going to wait till it gets released and see what happens, but I'm expecting good things for my own personal taste. I know I'm going to get rewards with whatever whatever I want to see, but everyone's got their own opinions. It's a vast spectrum of pros and cons to the whole idea. But yeah, Marvel, DC, great set of franchise movies, so many spin-offs. There's obviously too many to go through right now. The amount of characters, individual movies, combined movies, spin-off TV shows and so on. There's a lot to go through. So again, potentially a future episode devoted specifically to Marvel or DC would be good to have a bit of banter on some of our favourites from those particular franchises, assuming um, you want to, that is, Craig. I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. I'm pretty sure that I will, mate, yeah. Um, you might be busy that week. No. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. But yeah, it, a lot of my time, well, my, my spare time is movie-based. I'll put on a film and crash and watch it. A lot of films, as as we've discussed, they all tend to be, you know, action based or sci fi based or the occasional comedy. I find a lot of comfort in watching a film. It's just a way of detoxing for a couple of hours, just not caring about what's going on in the world. You know, we're sick of hearing about the pandemic going on, COVID's killing lives, and we know it's a, a terrible situation for the world to be in. But sometimes you just need a few hours just to detach from the world and what's going on and just get lost in it in a movie, in an adventure, just to give your mind a bit of peace. I don't know how you feel about movies as, a, as well, an escape mechanism, well, but that's to, what I to, to quote, well, obviously, with everything that's going on with COVID and everything, to quote a good friend of mine, Captain Jack Sparrow, is the problem is not the problem. The problem is your attitude to the problem. That's a good quote. However, I wasn't aware that your good friend was Jack Sparrow. Oh, yeah. We, we go way back. I, he, he always comes to me. He always phones me up, you know, when the room's all gone and stuff like that. He's fuming sometimes, you know. But hey, such a life. This explains a lot. You know, one time I asked to borrow a couple of quid off you and all you pulled out your wallet was a doubloon. It was from um, Ila de Muerta, um, unfortunately, yeah. But am I right it in thinking that this particular doubloon, if you look through it, it matched the lighthouse, the restaurant and the rocks, which can only mean the rich stuff is in the restaurant. It must be. And the fratellis, you've got to watch out for them as well. I've heard they're quite nasty, you know what I mean? <laughs> These really disgusting people with the fratellis. <laughs> and uh, do you know what? I, I, you know, I've, I've got a sudden craving for Babe Ruth Bar now, uh, for some strange reason. I might just shot my friends. Yeah. yeah, I might just shot my friends. Hey, you guys, um, could you go and get me a chocolate bar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the line that wasn't used in the movie. Hey, you guys, go get me a chocolate bar. <laughs> just... <laughs> <laughs> it's the Scouse Goonies. That's what it is. That that would be hey, interesting. <laughs> I've just I've just seen a car here with bullet holes in the back. Bullet holes. You know, I think a Scouse Goonies would be really good. <laughs> I'd love that. H, H, Chunk, do that shuffle, yeah. shuffle, lad. That's that's the heaviest Scouse impression I think I've ever done. 
<laughs> well, it, it, it quite quite funny actually because mouth would be perfect because it'd be so funny, especially um, translating into Spanish um, about some sort of weird um, sex dungeon that his parents have in the in the loft. I thought that was quite uh, quite comical when it comes to the film. It was. I don't know how the Scouse version would go because I can't speak Spanish. But all I was like, "Habla usted inglés?" Yeah. I think it's loosely translated as "Do you speak English?" But to be as Oh yeah, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I let you just go. Excuse me. Two beers, oh please, oh. I've just, I haven't got a clue about Spanish at all. Clearly, apologies for any anyone listening who's from Spain, because no offense was intended in my attempt at being a Spanish person. Or any Austrian people from my attempt at doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. Yeah. I hope I've done you justice. Yeah, let's hope so. I'd hate for Arnie specifically to be coming knocking on our door saying, "Don't do more any more impressions yeah. of me." <laughs> if I opened the door and he, asked, he said, "If is my name Sarah Connor," I probably would panic. I just run as fast as I could go. But yeah, clearly, movies of a majority of descriptions, something we're passionate about. As 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 I've said, I love a bit of escapism, and a movie does it for me. A few hours just watching a movie, getting lost in the situations that are on screen. I love it. I'm a fan of a majority of characters across a wide a wide spectrum. I went a bit German then. I, went, I said a wide spectrum. A wide spectrum <laughs> of films. Craig and I both have similar tastes. We both love action. We both love comedies. We both love sci-fi. You know, the, the stuff that re- relates to graphic novels and comics. That they're, they're always a good go-to for us. What do you think yourself, listeners? Are there any particular movies that you like to listen to, listen to, you like to watch? Any favourites that you want us to talk about in future episodes? I'd really like you to get in touch with us and give us some of your comments. I'd love to hear what films you like. What films you like to escape to when you want to have a bit of downtime. Get in touch, as you know. We have our Instagram page, which is Davey810Mins. You can contact us on Twitter, which is DaveyADC. Or you can message us directly via the Anchor app. I'd love to get some voice messages, play them on a future episode. I'd love to get your take on what about these podcasts you're enjoying so far. Or indeed, not enjoying. I'd love to hear both good and bad comments. I'd love to find out what's going on with the listeners out there. Do get in touch. Craigie boy. Yes. Always a pleasure to have a chat, especially when it's movie-based. Yeah, you, you, as soon as you get the... That topic comes up between two of us, mate. You know, we're, 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 all, we're like right out the gate. You know what I mean? We're straight into it. It's, it's you know, something we're both hugely passionate about. It's been part of our sort of... Our, us growing up and watching these, you know, all these iconic films that have been out. And when you come from a, a certain generation like ourselves, you know, it, you can't beat it. And it, I absolutely... Nothing more than I love, as you said, Dave, is sit down, put a good action film on, one of your classics, one of your favourites, and just immerse yourself in that and eat your own body weight and usually in snacks and food. Oh, yeah. Snacks are a must when it comes to a film. I thought you were going to go with something else. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say Craig, I will be speaking to you soon. Thanks for getting involved. My pleasure, my friend. And um, we'll see you on the next episode, buddy. All right. See you later. Good easy, everyone.